Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 59, Preparing At-Home Private Lessons with Teresa Stewart from Safe Splashes Swim School in Arizona. Now we have a great conversation. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Uh, We go into detail about uh, Teresa's swim lesson program that she runs out of her house. Uh, She gets her whole summer filled up by April or by March uh, and she is loaded with lessons. Let's take a look right now. That's right. We are talking to Teresa Stewart in Arizona. Now, she's the owner of the Safe Splashes Swim School. Uh, and she teaches her swim lessons, mainly private and semi-private lessons, out of her backyard pool. Now, she's got some great tips for you if you're looking to start your own pool uh, in swim lessons. If you have a pool in your house and you want to start teaching swim lessons, Teresa is a great resource. She's been doing this for 11 years out of her house. Uh, and she did that because she moved into a house that had a pool. Now, she's a lifelong swim instructor and she brings a wealth of experience to the table. One of the things I want you to focus on is how she talks about how she prepares for her lessons. She goes in detail with her lesson plans. She dynamically produces them for the kids that she has, uh, and she changes them midway throughout the week so she can specifically tailor her lesson plans to the individual and that individual's needs. One of the other things I want you to look at is our discussion on Hiring someone, now whether you need to do an independent contractor or an employee. And then pay attention to the games that she has. Here we go. Hello and welcome. I have Teresa Stewart from Safe Splashes Swim School with me today. And she has been teaching swim lessons since 1986. Uh, She took a brief break and in the last 11 years has been teaching full-time out of her own pool. Um, she has a great, exciting story about how she started teaching and swimming. Um, she's contributed to the Swimming Ideas or Swimming Lessons Ideas website with a po- uh, post on freestyle kick drill, the motorcycle drill, as well as how to teach treading water. And links for those two posts will be available on the show notes. Teresa, it's a pleasure to have you with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Um, we've emailed back and forth for uh, a while, I think over the last year or so. Um, and so thank you for coming on. Uh, just if you could tell everyone, how did you get started with swimming and swim lessons? Well, I actually started uh, taking swim lessons of my own when I turned four. I continued lessons until I worked my way up and finished level six. Uh, I wanted to join a swim team, but uh, I had to wait till I was a junior high, and that was two years before I could join a swim team when I finished my lessons. So I talked to the pool that I did my lessons, and they helped me be a co-instructor for some uh, for some of the smaller kids uh, until I became uh, a member of a, a swim team. That's awesome. Um, af- yeah. <laughs> after uh, after that, I pretty much just did the swim teams until I graduated from high school. And while I was taking some uh, college courses, being an instructor at that same uh, 
the same facility that I took lessons. I started doing that because it would work good in my schedule. Mm-hmm. I did that until I moved to um, Arizona. And when I, I did all of that in Iowa. Okay. So when I moved to Arizona, I didn't have a pool in my backyard. So I sort of took, you know, time off. And then 11 years ago, we moved into a home that had a pool in the backyard. And that's when I started taking uh, or started giving private and semi-private lessons full time. Fantastic. What uh, swim program did you learn when you were four to eight? You said level six. Is that American Red Cross? Uh, you know, at that point in time, I didn't really know. It was just like a, um, what's that called? Uh, you know, like the recreate city of, you know, mm-hmm. at that point in time, it was city of Des Moines lessons. And I don't know what the instructors used. I just took, you know, their level one and level two and and so on until I finished their level six. Fantastic. And did you swim on the competitive, like the high school team throughout high school? I I did. Uh, from the time I started junior high and uh, until I graduated high school, I was swimming. Did you do a club team or was that just uh, through the high school? It was just through the high school. Okay, great. Well, what, uh, what were your strokes? Like what was your main stroke? Um, I... I had a love for everything, but um, I think the breaststroke was, um, that was my favorite. Ah, okay. That's a good one. Uh, so the yeah. last latest podcast we had, we talked about the one thing. Uh, so focusing on like one thing that will give you the most results when you're coaching or teaching. Do you remember mm-hmm. uh, when you were doing breaststroke at all, any of your coaches kind of honing in on a specific thing that really helped you swim it better? Um, yeah, most of, you know, the, the my weakness for doing the breaststroke was confidence. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, my, my coaches said I was doing everything right, but uh, just knowing that I was... Um, you know, just knowing that I spent a lot of time trying to, you know, perfect my stroke, uh, knowing that it helped me, but at the same time during uh, during uh, swim meets and things like that, I always like <laughs> I always lost the confidence of being the best type thing. Um, mm-hmm. So they pretty much they pretty much just helped me understand, uh, you know. Um, uh, they reaffirmed that I could, you know, that I could do it and that I was good at it and that, you know, they they constantly said that, you know, that I'm a winner and that I'm a winner, but, you know, I have to be a winner in my mind <laughs> type thing. So. Yeah. Did it, did it work? Were they effective and it uh, did. convincing you? It yeah. did. Um like I said, it, I just think their affirmations, you know, was the was the trick. I think, uh, you know, being told that I was doing everything right, you know, gave me the confidence. Okay, well, I know how to do it. Now I just need to do it. <laughs> I I totally get that. Do you do you find yourself <laughs> being that cheerleader, being that instiller of confidence in your own teaching now for your own kid when you're teaching I, your I, kids now? I definitely do. Um, uh, there's not really anything that, you know, everything that 
the child learns at that point in time, um, I, I let them know that they did a good job or, you know, uh, I tend to say, you're an amazing swimmer, man, you did that better than, you know, my other students and, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and that just, you know, just knowing that, uh, I know it's a, you know, I know I might have better swimmers, but for them to hear that, you know, that they're doing great and that there's others that, uh, might not be doing so great, that just builds their confidence as, hey, I am doing something right. I can do this. Great, great. Um, and, okay, so if you want to, let's let's move on to you, what program you use now. Like what, you, let's start with you have a business where you teach swim lessons, private and semi-private lessons uh, at your mm-hmm. own pool. Uh, can you talk about uh, how you started with that, where you're at now? Um, and just kind of in general, how people find out about you and sign up for lessons. Okay. Um, well, I, I became certified with the Red Cross right when I started being an instructor, uh, back at the rec league. So, uh, after I got, after I finished high school, I got certified for the first time through the Red Cross at that point in time. Was that with Um, WSI? I'm sorry to interrupt. Was uh, that with WSI? I know it was like through the Red Cross program. I went to mm-hmm. a Red Cross office and, um, you know, and did that. I, I'm probably not familiar with, uh, um, what WSI is as far as, um, it's I'm the, not familiar yeah. with that. It's the Red Cross, like water safety instructor. It was their, like, I don't know, advanced teaching course. Kind of, yes, uh, I yeah. did do an advanced teaching course through okay. the Red Cross. All right. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Um, uh, so I, when I became certified, I pretty much used that as far as my own learning. I, um, I also uh, start my lessons for each student. I sort of start with the basics of if somebody's doing a level one, I'll use a standard lesson plan for a level one to start the kids out with. Mm -hmm. Um, It only takes a day or two for me to find their weaknesses or their strengths. And then I sort of develop a a lesson plan that fits, you know, that suits them, you know, personally. So, Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess you could say that I, I guess you could say as far as the program goes, the Red Cross is pretty much what I use. Okay. Do you hand out their like level sheets and their, like the checklists? No, um, I do. Like I said, I start with, um, the, the kids that I'm teaching in a specific session. I start with, okay. Uh, I I always ask the parents as far as what they could do in the pool before they come to classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, at that point in time, I use the Red Cross to, okay, this is what we're going, you know, we're going to work on entering the pool and we're going to work on, um, you know, the bobs and we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. so I use that, that standard, you know, skills to, uh, to start the kids off with. 
And then I, um, and then I basically create, like I said, I, I create a, a lesson plan that suits them as far as, you know, some kids need more games or, uh, needs, uh, things broken down into smaller steps and other kids, you know, we can just talk about Bobby and I can show them what to do. They can practice and then they got it in a day or two. <laughs> what, how are people signing up for classes? What's your like, um, uh, class structure? Do you do like once a week classes? Do you do multiple, like three days in a row, four days in a row? Like how is it organized? Um, well, I have sessions that are two weeks long, and my lessons in that uh, session are are Monday through Thursday, and each lesson varies between 30 and 45 minutes. I try to do a 40, my intention is to do a 45-minute class uh, with each student. There are times where I might run into where... Um, you know, some kids can only work on learning, you know, for 20 minutes and, you know, then they're pretty much done with the learning part. So I will, you know, incorporate games. You know, I get a feel for, okay, well, it's time to play some games and then I have games ready or I have practicing, you know, we practice uh, a lot of things with a particular uh, activity or game. Um, mm-hmm. uh for example, I always start my lessons with, um, actually, my lessons are, I can usually fill my spots with, uh, just by word of mouth, somebody who came to my lesson last year uh, might sign up again, or somebody might ask that person who's came to my lessons, you know, about lessons themselves, and I'll get referred you know, by uh, satisfied parents. Um, and then occasionally, once I fill the spots up by word of mouth, I I can do that probably 75% of my spots. I can do just word of mouth. And then I, the next step is to advert, you know, add a post to some of the local Facebook groups around, you know, the city that I live in. And that can generally fill up my the other. So I can fill up my entire summer schedule probably within three to four weeks. Wow. What is your summer schedule? So are you filling one-hour time slots, or are you, are you going back-to-back, like 45 minutes for every 45 minutes with no breaks? Uh, what's no, kind of like your day do, look like? Yeah, I actually do uh, it by the hour. Okay. Um, I, I, unfortunately I don't have a heated pool, so I can't start my lessons until the middle of May. And then I go through the end of August. Um, and I do, like I said, the Monday through Thursday, I start at 8 a.m. and go until 2 p.m. on my own. Wow. Uh, and no break I'm in old. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, I schedule them on the hour. So uh, somebody coming to an 8 a.m. lesson, we start at 8 a.m. and then we finish by 8.45. So, Teresa, what prizes do you give out to the kids after your lessons? I'd like to use um, a good 
a good resource for me is Oriental Trading. Yes. They have everything from stickers to uh, uh, rubber animals to the one thing that my kids like really well is those capsules that turn into, um, you know, it's it's a shaped sponge inside, and when the cap uh, when the capsule melts, it turns into you know a foam animal. Those usually are the ones that go the fastest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, with the girls, I like to, uh, the first lesson that they come to, I like to give them um, the uh, a necklace that holds beads. And then every time that they come to, uh, the first lesson they get the string itself and, and get to pick two beads. And after every lesson, they can pick an- another two beads or on some occasions they work really hard and you know they when they accomplish a tough skill that they've been having trouble with i'll let them do three or four beads so the girls really like that um some some will want something else but that tends to be the best thing with the girls so i like that i like that a lot uh, mm-hmm. if I, I just want to recap here, uh, some, some basic information here about the way your program mm-hmm. works. Um, I like how, uh, before I, before I do that, I, I really like this idea of giving a, a prize at the end of a lesson mm-hmm. tied to the effort that's in mm-hmm. the lesson. So when they are putting an effort into, like you said, mastering a skill that's particularly difficult, or if -hmm. they've listened and done well and paid attention and put effort in during the lesson, they're rewarded by a physical object, which oriental trading, you know, that's, it's not, you're not breaking the bank by getting 20 or 30 of these different toys. Uh, And that's a great resource. Um, So you have your hourly lessons between eight and two. So a 45 minute lesson generally is how long they're in the water, whether all of that is teaching or not. Uh, I like how you said that you tailor it towards the individual because not, you're right. Not everybody can do 45 minutes of intense learning and training. And, you know, I like how you're aware that I'm going to ask later how, um, you kind of use your experience to understand when someone's not paying attention, but we'll do that next. Uh, but then mm-hmm. people sign up with you through word of mouth. Um, do you mm-hmm. use a, a Excel sheet or a calendar to kind of keep track of who has lessons when and what time? Yes, I do. Um, I have a calendar that I've, that I've made that shows, you know, like it, each page has, you know, one week worth of lessons. And so my eight, you know, my eight o'clock class has like the four boxes that shows Monday through Thursday. And I'll put the name that's still the spot, the name of the student in there. And um, on the side, it has a place where I can put the mom or dad uh, name and a contact number so that I have especially emergency contact, you know, so that I have Mm -hmm. a way of uh, contacting them, you know, pretty fast. Uh, And then each, like each session has like its own sheet and by keeping track of their names and I also keep track of their ages on there, that helps me uh, just by knowing their age helps me understand or at least get an idea of where we might be starting. Um, 
I don't have the, the kids don't actually sign up for a level one class or a level two or a toddler. They just sign up for a private lesson through me and it's the experience and how, how they're learning during a lesson and um, whether they, like I mentioned earlier, whether they need more games or, or mm-hmm. an activity to learn a particular skill. Sure. Uh, here's a question that I have. You're teaching out of uh, your own pool. Do you have yeah. uh, insurance, like a general liability insurance for this purpose? Yes, I do. I always keep my liability insurance. Um, I always keep that updated every year. Mm -hmm. Um, It it provides the insurance for my teaching and for the you know the the kids if they get injured. I also have each parent sign a waiver and release that uh, that if anything you know anything happens. to them that, you know, it's, uh, if I do something wrong, I fully intend on, you know, taking care of it or something like that. But Mm -hmm. as you know, kids nowadays, you know, kids Mm -hmm. in general, they get excited to get in the pool. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes they want to get in the pool or start getting in the pool before me. Um, My waiver and release will sign, you know, actually states on there that, you know, that a child can't get in the pool unless I go first. Sure. Um, so with the parent's signature, if they let them go in the pool before I get out there, that's sort of their own responsibility, you know, not yeah. necessarily mine. I also have a permit through the county that I live in. We we are not living within a city boundary. We, the only the only place that we have is covered by the county. So I also get apply for a permit that allows me to teach in my own yard instead of a, another facility that, that uh, is something I have to do legally. And it, uh, it satisfies our HOA, you know, board as far as uh, making sure everything's legal and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think it's an important point, and I think that's wonderful because if mm-hmm. you are doing your own swim lessons in a facility that you either own or maybe it's another, like maybe it's their own facility, you're traveling mm-hmm. to the people, that it's important for you as the swim instructor to be covered by uh, general liability for teaching and for having people on your property uh, or for going yeah. into other people's properties being covered because if something happens, you don't want to lose your livelihood, your house, your, you know, your mm-hmm. whole, everything Definitely. because one accident, you know, an a, a yeah. accident happened. Um, exactly. I, I also like, yeah, yeah, the permit from the county and the HOA. Did you have to go in front of the HOA board and kind of present what you were doing? And um, I did. Yeah, I okay. did. Um, they, uh, you know, they're, out where we live, there are uh, the the majority of the HOA organizations out where we live don't allow people to have, you know, a, a personal business out of their, you know, out of their home, mainly because uh, if you, if you're doing a business, a lot of times, you know, you'll have additional cars and mm-hmm. it will get congested for your neighbors and 
you know, and just like things like that. So I did have to go in front of the board and uh, get their permission. And of course, I made sure that I had the insurance and the permit first to, you know, that I think that is what um, helped them approve it. Because you were prepared. <laughs> Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Preparedness is the. Uh, I'm a prepared person for sure. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I, I was thinking while you were mentioning this, do you let the parents drop off their kids? Can they, you know, swing by, drop their kids off, come back in an hour, or are they required to stay at the lesson while you're teaching? It really depends on the age of the child. Uh, in some instances, if you have a young child, and I'm talking like uh, one, two, four, five, uh, there are a lot of kids that probably wouldn't be uh, feel comfortable if their parents left. And if that's the case, I I will ask you know them to to stay during their lesson. Um, if that's not the case and the child does well uh, without them, I will uh, I will allow them to leave. Uh, my general rule is that they have to stay for the first 10 minutes of the lesson and they have to be back at least five minutes prior to the lesson. A lot of parents like that. Um, a lot of parents want to, you know, insist on, you know, being there and so forth. I also have, um, there are times or, or parents or kids that sort of aren't in the best um, learning uh, phase that they are in if the parent is there. Um, for example, a little child might, might be more of, um, might be more of a, let's just say a baby uh, when their parents are around, but they'll listen better when it's just you and, and the child. So I also have a, I let the parents know that if that's the case, that I'll ask them to go inside. We have a, a sliding glass door that has screens on it and windows that have screens on it. So if the parent goes inside and pulls the screen shut, the child can't see that they're in there, but the parent gets to watch everything that's going on. I love that. That's a great tactic. I also think that speaks mm-hmm. to your confidence of an instructor that you can talk to the parent and say, you know, I understand you want to be here watching your kid, but we're here for them mm-hmm. to learn. And if yeah. you're here, it's making it like, like that's always hard when I'm training new swim managers or you know mm-hmm. teenagers how to be swim instructors, and I, and I have to tell them, well, go talk to the parents and let them know that you being there hovering over the pool deck is causing the child to not listen to the teacher. They're like mm-hmm. I can't tell the parent Definitely. what to do. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to. I and, think and that's I like harder that you do for that. facilities too. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, the general rule is, you know, with them, it's like parents have to stay there. Mm-hmm. And that there are cases where that's just not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the child, children tend to get more uh, independent <laughs> without parents. And yep. some kids like freak out because their parents not there. Don't they don't feel safe. So once again, that's something else that I like about the type of lessons that I teach, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can accommodate the child in a lot of different ways. 
Fantastic. Do you have a standard rate that you charge for each 45-minute lesson? I start with, um, I used to teach for $110 for a session for each child. Um, I would, uh, I would charge that to pretty much everybody. I did charge less for the mommy and me classes because, um, those tend to be more like 30 and 35 minutes first, but they also like, you can only do so much, you know, with the, you're teaching the the parent what to do with the child, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not doing so much on my individual basis. So mm-hmm. I don't feel it's right to, you know, charge them the same amount. So. Sure. Is that for eight lessons then for, cause you said yeah, a session that's is for two the weeks. Eight lessons. I did have to increase my rate this year because our electric bill uh, is more than what it was when I started teaching at 110. Mm-hmm. Um, our our water bill is more, um, you know, because the the water evaporates or you have to replenish it and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. uh, if my insurance rate, you know, increased, which it mm-hmm. did, uh, so you pretty much just can't, you know, before it was just a matter of, covering my insurance and covering my time. Sure. Now it's a matter of, okay, the pool supplies, the, you know, what we're paying out, I guess, versus what I'm, what I'm making. So Absolutely. I did bump my uh, class or each session costs 135 this, uh, this year for the okay. first time. So there's, there are a group of private instructors in my area where I work, they work out of a hotel so they rent mm-hmm. the hotel pool and they teach private lessons there. I think they do half hours and I think they charge, I think it's $50 a half hour for mm. a lesson with them. Um, so $50 times four? Well, they, I, they do once a week, once a week lessons. Oh, only once a week. Yeah. Okay. So people pay, I don't, I don't know how they handle all their stuff. Their, their previous coworkers I had 10, 12 years ago that branched off on mm-hmm. their own. Um, okay. Yeah. And then our program, when we do private lessons, and this is at a park district, so, um, Mm -hmm. you know, most of that cost is built into it, but it's Mm -hmm. for a package of 10 lessons, it's $250. Uh, so each lesson is like 25 hours, but they're half hour lessons. So, um, I, you know, I, I just mentioned this because I, I think other people that are interested in teaching private lessons, maybe on their own, mm-hmm. might benefit mm-hmm. from learning the different structures of how yeah. know, lessons are done. Well, so, and uh, and I think um, the it's it's one of those things where, to be honest with you, my whole purpose of starting to teach is because I wanted to make sure that kids could protect themselves or knew how to prevent accidents or, Mm -hmm. you know, basically know what to do to save their life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arizona is uh, the majority of homes have pools here in Arizona. And sadly, uh, when you watch the new, you know, evening news, for example, uh, it got to a point where, we were hearing about a child that had drowned at least four or five times a week. It's terrible. Um, and yes, it was. And that just, you know, that's when I 
like, okay, I really need to, you know, I, I really need to do this full time. And that's also why my rates are, you know, pretty cheap, or at least I think, you know, people say that they're, uh, an excellent price for private or yeah. semi-private lessons. Yeah, it seems very but, reasonable. You know, if, yeah. So if I talk, you know, if I charge more, then I might not be able to fill the spots as often, mm -hmm. you know, or as easy as I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't, you know, and if people can't afford it, then that just means it's, a, a, you know, one less child that doesn't know how to swim. Yeah. So. Well, and ultimately, you know, it's it's a safety issue. You mm -hmm. you should at least know how to get yourself to safety if you fall in a pool. And exactly. Yeah, and, and I, you know, my philosophy is I believe that we can do that and teach swimming well uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, let's kind of, you know, and, and I I, yeah, and and mm -hmm. I like how you know you approach this as your ultimate goal is you know, to get kids to protect themselves and to get people that want to swim, mm -hmm. you know, to protect themselves because it is an, an, an issue. And, you know, I, I recently have been talking about how uh, swimming is a totally different experience. It's like you're underwater and the water can potentially kill you. So, you know, you have to mm -hmm. know how to handle yourself and not panic and what to do. Uh, let's kind of pivot here. Let, exactly. let, let's go into... Um, how you actually teach lessons. So you've, you've talked about a few things. Um, you, you, one of your big goals is to provide a positive confidence boost, you know, to give the swimmer, mm -hmm. you know, you know, all the effort you put in really sets you apart. It, it gives you this, the, uh, you know, because you're, you're really trying hard during this lesson, you know, you've proven that you're a successful swimmer in this skill. Uh, and, and you're, you're mm -hmm. better than some of these other kids, um, whether they are or not, uh, you use, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my husband says, honey, you're, I mean, is it right to lie to them? And, you know, I'm like, well, it's a small fit mm -hmm. and if it gives them the confidence to save themselves or, mm -hmm. you know, to be more comfortable in the water in case an accident happens, then, you know, it's one of those things where it's helping more than. You know, I guess I, I might just be justifying yeah. it, too. I don't mm -hmm. know. But, well, I mean, encouragement yeah, is it, never a bad thing, right? And how we encourage, mm -hmm. you know, some sometimes you use the tools and you read the person as, you know, as they are mm -hmm. to get that result, um, which kind of ties mm -hmm. into the next thing that you said already is uh, some kids need more games and smaller steps than other kids. Uh, can you kind of mm -hmm. talk about where... What is your, you know, you start with Red Cross level one, you have a goal mm -hmm. of being able to safely swim, you know, what's kind of your mm -hmm. general format? Like, are you doing glides into freestyle or, you know, front crawl? And then, and then the next question I'm going to ask is how do you, do, why don't we just start there? What's your kind of like progression of skills, underwater glides, you know, that type of thing? Okay. Well, another, uh, you mentioned one goal, but another goal of mine is to uh, do things that will help a child during an accident. For example, uh, you know, doing, having them jump off the side. Once you learn, once they learn how to enter the pool, you know, having them jump off the side, for example, 
gets them uh, used to falling in the pool, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they get comfortable with that, you know, coming into a pool, making a splash, you know, things like that. If they get comfortable in that, then uh, that means that they won't go into, you know, uh, hopefully that will prevent them from, uh, you know, getting surprised and, you know, freezing up if something was to happen. Yep, like, um, I, mm-hmm, yep. Go ahead. Uh, not panicking and then drowning, right? So, yes, yep. exactly. Uh, one of the other things that I do with my kids and pretty much uh, all the younger levels, I might, you know, if a child knows how to swim and stuff, I won't pretty much do that. If a child uh, is big enough to stand up, you know, they don't necessarily need to know that because they're just going to stand up instead of having to get to another side. But I start with uh, monkey bars around the pool and that helps, you know, uh, the monkey bars is helping the child not only, not only getting used to nothing being underneath them. So in other words, uh, being in a deep end, not being able to stand up, but by doing one hand at a time, they are also practicing rotating their arms, which is one thing that they're going to need, you know, to do the freestyle swimming is be able to do one arm, you know, an activity on one arm and then the other. Are you talking um, about but like, yet the kids find that fun? Yeah. Are you talking about like bars above the water? That they hang no, from? the edge of the pool, uh-huh. the edge of my pool, my pool has, uh, it has like a first step, but then my second step is about eight feet, uh, eight feet feet in depth. So in other words, and that's only 18 inches. So uh, any child from one, you know, up to three or four, that's not very tall they can stand on the bottom of the pool and I can teach them various things like how to go under on that step. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, they can hang on to a step and do their free kicks. Um, They can hang on uh, one step down is about two and a half feet. So they Mm -hmm. can stand on there to do their bobs. Um, You know, just things like that. And the steps themselves, sorry, and the steps themselves are pretty wide is what you're saying. They're pretty big yeah, okay, it's it. like 10 feet wide and 8 feet, you know, wow. they can walk yeah. 8 feet to, you know, to before they have to go in something over their oh, head. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and so the monkey bars are done all the way around the pool. We start with where they can stand, uh-huh. and then we just move along. I'm always behind the child or, in some cases, holding on to the child, mm-hmm. and I just teach them how to you know, move their right hand a little bit and bring their left hand to where the right hand is. Got it. And, you know, and move their right hand again. And, you know, during that whole time uh, around the pool, they generally don't have anything underneath them. So their grip is what's keeping them above mm-hmm. um, while they rotate their arms and while they get used to not having anything underneath mm-hmm. them. So it sounds like you're using small... <laughs> Small steps to, you know, slowly over time introduce them to more complicated skills. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, as the as far as the bobs, they get used to, you know, going underwater and holding their breath. And 
bouncing, you know, one of the things I teach them too is I have them be in water that's about up to their chest, for example. Mm-hmm. And when they go down, I show them how to bounce off the bottom, you know, like, you know, they, they go down, they touch the bottom and they spring up, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, that's making the bobs a little bit funner than just going down. Mm-hmm. But it also helps them in a situation where if they fall in and it's deeper, you know, how they can use the bottom to get up to the top fast. Absolutely. Um, I also, um, when we work on, you know, back floats, for example, some kids are very scared of being on their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know the normal thing is to, you know, be behind them and holding their shoulders and, uh, you know, and then eventually moving up to their head. But some kids have a problem keeping their bottom up without sinking. So uh, I also will use um, a small uh, a small noodle that I've like cut in half. I'll use that to put underneath their waist. And so that helps them keep their bottom up so that we can focus on our, you know, relaxing and our breathing and, you know, they don't have to worry about I'm falling, you know, that sensation isn't there. And of course, the more we do that, the better the child will feel. And then, you know, we can get to a point where they don't need the noodle. They just go by using their own Mm -hmm. faster than what, you know, faster than what it takes to teach them, you know, the, the floating, the back float, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. So, um, so I'm hearing, you know, yeah. we're looking at getting exposure to the pool. Uh, you're using a range of different skills, bobs, bob to safety. I really like how you explicitly teach them to jump off the bottom. I mean, it seems like such a small mm-hmm. thing, but when you take the time mm-hmm. to uh, – talk about it and do it as an activity, uh, it, it has mm-hmm. a purpose for it, right? Like the, the safety component. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, moving yeah. on to floats and glides. What about uh, mm-hmm. front crawl and back crawl? How do you, you know, one of the biggest problems for most swimmers is putting your face in the water, swimming, and then taking a breath. Do you have any tactics for how you mm-hmm. go about that, tra- like, training? Well, um, you know, you can... You can start with, uh, when I'm trying to teach the, the front crawl, for example, they have to use a variety of things. They have to be able to put their face under. They have to be able to kick because they're going to sink if they're not kicking. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to use their arms, if you think about that, that's like a whole lot of things that you're asking for a two- or a three-year-old you know, to do. Um, and in some cases, they don't have the ability to rotate their arms or some cases they can't rotate the, you know, they can't use their arms and their feet at the same time. The coordination just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tend to, you know, start with hanging on to their waist to keep them at, you know, a level. And then we work with kicking and then once they can uh, kick, then we'll move along to adding, you know, adding the arms to that. Um, uh, If you have a kid under the age of, you know, five or six, they don't have the uh, coordination to do, you know, two arms rotating and two legs, you know, two feet rotating. 
Um, so just by holding them up, you know, doing that, that gives them the, you know, that gives them a chance to you know, start doing them one at a time so that, you know, after, after one or two lessons, then they have a confidence, you know, and, you know, they know what it's supposed to look like. They know mm-hmm. what it's supposed to feel like. Is that your primary? So it doesn't take very long. Yeah, is that your primary target? Like your, the majority of your lessons, are they more mommy and Todd, one, two, three, four, five year olds? Like, are you focusing on learning the basics of swimming and safety? Is that what, like your main clientele? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I get a lot of kids that haven't ever taken lessons. Mm-hmm. I get kids that, you know, have never been in a pool very, you know, very often. They've been in a pool, like, you know, last summer they went with their parents once and, you know, they don't have any skills or experience in a pool themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I do get, I would have to say the majority of my, um, of the students that I get are uh, what I call a beginning to swimming or introduction to swimming. Mm type class or a level one class. Um, The biggest thing with most students, the majority of the students anyway, uh, going, putting their face underwater is something that they have never done or that they just don't like. How do you overcome that? As you know, um, well, the practicing, um, you know, the practicing I use, uh, you know, Humpty Dumpty, to get them Humpty Dumpty basically, you know, fell off a wall. And so then they jump into me from their bottom, you know, so getting, getting uh, water in their face during that point in time and eventually, you know, uh, letting them go under just up to their eyebrows. So Teresa, I'm hearing that uh, you're, and I really like this idea of using games to teach specific skills and then introduce those skills instead of just, like you said, okay, we're going to go underwater, put your face underwater. You know, I like that you incorporate that into a game. Um, let's, and I think that's a great thing. Let's, let's look at, you know, what are your plans for this coming summer? Um, well, it's, it's a little too late for this summer, but my goal for next year is, um, I, like I mentioned, I'm doing lessons from eight to two. Uh, on a normal day, and I would like to hire another instructor so that we can, uh, instead of doing one or two students, if I have another instructor, we can do a class for four or five. That gives us two of us to work with, you know, more kids in the, in the amount of time. I also, uh, with another instructor, we can go past, you know, they can start our pool is big enough to actually have an instructor with each child in two different areas. Um, so my goal is to, you know, once I hire somebody to either be able to do a little bit bigger uh, classes, uh, group classes, or for, uh, for us to continue going longer than just the two hours. Um, mm-hmm. I, one of the things that, Unfortunately, I've never hired somebody for that, so I I intend on going on your website to see if there's any, you know, any uh, advice or uh, you know things that will help me, you know, learn to to hire somebody. 
Sure. You know, there's nothing there yet, like in the hiring mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. Um, just based, you know, I do a lot of hiring for the park district program that I work for. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's 90% high school kids. Um, oh, just okay. by virtue of the, uh, you know, the, the limitations of that. Uh, but there are certainly, mm-hmm. um, a lot of instructors that we have. And, and you, what I would suggest now, just off the top of my head, um, unsolicited advice for you here, uh, is mm-hmm. look at how you want to pay the person. Are you going to hire them as an mm-hmm. independent contractor? So, um, you know, have them come in with experience and expertise and that you pay them on a per lesson basis, like they're kind of renting mm-hmm. the space from you, or are you going to yeah. hire them as an employee? And that kind of distinction is important because it determines how you're going to pay taxes and, uh, mm-hmm. like your recording at the end. Like you might have to, if they're an employee, you'll have to pay uh, workman's comp insurance and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are certain things that you'll have to do in addition to as um, that might be more expensive than if you hire them as an independent contractor and don't. The limitation there is you can't tell them how to do their job. They just, mm-hmm. you know, so that would be the first thing I would look at is the independent contractor versus an actual employee. Um just off the top of my head, knowing what I know about hiring and business, but yeah. uh, you know well, that's, that's a good that's thing to good look advice. into. Thank you. Sorry, uh, I was going to say that's, that's a good, good thing advice. to look into. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> that's I, good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I one thing I didn't uh, think of is the workman's comp for the hiring. Uh, you know, if I hired somebody as an employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really glad that you mentioned that. That will definitely uh, be a factor um, and whether, you know, with that information, it might be better for me to look at, you know, an independent independent contractor, you know, doing, mm-hmm. you know, doing their own thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so are you filled for the summer with your lessons? I am. Great. Yes, I I was full. Uh, I think by March thirteenth. Wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> yes. So your whole it summer only takes packed. me four weeks. So wow. you know. Okay. So so every so Monday through Thursday between May and August, you're no vacations. You're going to be teaching. I guess I guess it could be kind of like a vacation teaching in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's really the only way I can handle being outside in the heat is yeah. to be in a pool. <laughs> oh, I agree. Yeah, and I heard it, I hear it's hot. It gets pretty hot. What are you doing to protect yourself from the sun? Do you wear a hat, uh, suntan lotion? Like, what's your protection like? Um, I do wear a hat. Um, I also, of course, your suntan lotion. Um, I actually use a. Uh, a 45 and I was using like a 15 and then a 30 and I found that if the longer my day gets uh, and the hotter it gets outside so in other words the later it gets in the year uh, the 30 wasn't enough so I also started just last summer I started wearing um, you know one of those swim shirts a long sleeve sw- uh, swim shirt that goes over you mm. know over my arms and things so um those are basically the the things i use to protect myself great 
Okay, well, we're, we're about wrapping up here. Can you share with us, you've already shared with us Humpty Dumpty, uh, Ring Around the Rosie, Monkey Bars, Walking Around the Pool. Um, in mm-hmm. Illinois, I call it Monkey Walks, so mm-hmm. <laughs> very similar. Oh, okay. Um, what, do you have any other go-to games or uh, that are fun and effective that you play with your kids? Well, uh, one of the things I do for kicks, um, I will... Uh, if, depending on whether the child can swim or, or not. But if they can't, I uh, the kids and I will get on a noodle where it's just underneath our arm, our armpits itself. So it's not really holding the rest of us up. But uh, I'll throw letters, um, you know, they're plastic letters. I'll throw them in uh, the deeper end of my pool and... they have to uh, swim around and, you know, they have to kick around and they have to stay kicking the entire time. But they look for the A first and then they have to find the B. And so we do that uh, depending on the age. You know, I'll only do like A through G or uh, the bigger kids I can do A through Z. And I, I time them too. My goal for that is to make sure that they're kicking for at least uh, two minutes, um, a little less time for the younger ones. But, you know, for them to be able to kick nonstop with both of their legs and the only thing that's holding them up is, you know, the their their head basically is being held up. Um, you know, that gets them more prepared for swimming because every stroke we use, you know, uses the kicks in, in one way or another. Um, I love that. Uh, I shared... Yeah, I shared with you, I like it, (laughs) I shared with you um, for another, um, for uh, the floating type thing, um, I shared with you that I uh, made, used a noodle and I twisted it to where it looks like motorcycle, you know, handlebars. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I let the kids uh, hang on to that with their hands. I don't let them lay on it, but they hang on to that with their hands. And then uh, we, you know, they swim from one end of the pool to the other end of the pool. That really helps the kids learn, you know, the front float or swimming, um, you know, pretty much everything that you have to hold your body up, you know, um, and once the child knows how to do that, I'll ask them to put their head in the water, you know, and swim that way and raise up when they need a breath. But um, that that really has helped. I know um, there, um, I can't remember the other thing I shared with you off the top of my head, but... It was treading water. Um, treading water, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use, I let them use, sit on a noodle. And uh, they have to have their feet up. So, in other words, a place that they can't stand. And by them only hanging on to the side with their hands, uh, it's sort of like a swing. Oh, cool. And they, you know, that gives them a chance to um, to just sit there. And uh, that helps them learn, like, how we're going to learn how to tread water, for example. Mm-hmm. They're using their feet. Um to tread the water and they're using their hands, you know, by rotating it sort of like that one exercise machine, you know, like skiing mm-hmm. or something like that, where they, 
you know, go back and forth with their arms. Uh, that really has, you know, doing that first before we start treading water has like sped up the kids learning it by probably half the time. Wow. Um, yeah. So there's uh, the other thing that, you know, that I do with my lessons and uh, I create ways or think of ways or sometimes I even get online and look for ideas of, you know, when for example, getting the child to put their head underwater. Um, uh, I found on the website that you could use pictures, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that are laminated. You can put those right underwater and you can have the kid hang on to the side of the pool, something that they're comfortable with. And you can have them put their head under and tell me, you know, like what color the octopus is or, um, you know, is the baby smiling or is he, you know, is the baby smiling or not? You know, just things like that um, has helped them do their bobs. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Another thing I didn't mention, too, is we sort of touched on the topic is that I start the lessons with the Red Cross, you know, lesson plan. But I also... You know, the lesson plan doesn't remain, you know, doesn't remain the same, you know, as day one, day two, day three. I incorporate the games and activities. um, And then I have one lesson sheet for the day, for example. And when we're finished with Monday and Tuesday, I plan what we're going to do the following day. um, And that goes on a sheet. So I'm basically creating a new lesson plan. of course, not individual sheets, but a sheet that says, you know, uh, Jordan is going to work on this for the first 10 minutes and, you know, this, and we're going to play a game, you know, for this long and, and things like that. I like the ability to create uh, a lesson plan that goes individually with each student. Sometimes people find that hard, you know, having to recreate something over and over again, but it really does help, uh, especially knowing what how I'm going to break something down versus, you know, teaching the skill itself. Well, and like you said, you're a planner and you, you know, I think this speaks to the success of your program that you evaluate both in the lesson itself what's appropriate for the swimmer. You know, you have your mm-hmm. framework and then you assess based on the child, the individual child's personality behavior their willingness to learn and effort and then halfway through the first week and even i'm assuming the second week you're changing or you're planning out where you want to go with them and then you're doing Mm -hmm. it and i imagine you're not sticking hard and fast to this plan so maybe and correct me if i'm wrong but maybe if you you know, you wrote down, we're going to play this game and do this activity and they do it really, really well. Then you're like, okay, we're going to add mm-hmm. on to it. You're not just going to say, okay, no, yes, we're done. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I do that. Um, the, I, I do do, I also started, uh, doing, um, at the last day of the lesson, uh, or their session, the last day we, uh, we go over and they, it's almost like in a, uh, they're showing their parents, for example, like mm. every skill that they've learned. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Show them how to kick on, you know, uh, show them how we've been going after the letters. Show them how well you can kick going after the letters. And 
so I sort of know like what they're going to be tested on that day. Um, and then we have, we have a dog that the kids see. He's like a black lab Aww. and the kids see uh, him as they come in the door and as they leave and things like that. And so kids get, you know, one of the things that I offer the kids is that, you know, if we do everything good and if you listen, the last day, you know, once we get done with our skills, you can swim with a dog. I'll show you how he swims and you can throw, you know, you can throw the balls and and things like that. That in itself, (laughs) you know, the kids talk about, is this the day we can (laughs) swim? You know, (laughs) things like that. So it really does, once again, give them, you know, the the motive to, you know, do good in their lessons. I love that. I love that a lot. The, mm-hmm. the swimming mm-hmm. with the dog. I mean, I like do- uh, dogs in general, but labs and mm-hmm. uh, that's fantastic. Uh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're about wrapping up here. Is there anything additional that you want to share with us that maybe we missed or didn't cover already? Um, you know, you were pretty thorough. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there was, you know, I can't think of, anything that we wasn't able to cover. Um, I'm sure that there are other, uh, I guess the, the, there is one thing. Um, I was interested in, you know, I'm all about getting kids to learn how to swim so that they can save themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in becoming an ISR instructor mm-hmm. um, that basically teaches them nothing but safety and, and how to swim. I, went to, um, I have a friend that is an instructor like that. And so I went to some of her lessons to see, you know, to check it out and see if it was something I wanted to do. I, I love the idea of teaching them safety and getting them to be able to save themselves. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't very keen on, you know, I wasn't, for some reason, I just thought to myself, I don't know if I can force them to do something. I don't know if, you know, they're screaming and, you know, fighting and stuff. I don't know if putting their head in the water anyway is something, you know, that I can do. I'm very empathetic uh, with with any person. So um, so I, the one thing that, that did help is I. that's when I decided to incorporate some of the things that will help them during an accident where – you know, the Humpty Dumpty, for example, getting them used to falling into the water, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. gets them used to feeling, being, you know, what it would feel like to, you know, to come in the water, uh, teaching them, you know, how to get out of a pool and how to get in a pool and um, having them jump to you, for example, gives them the, you know, makes them familiar with the free fall type, you know, mm-hmm. uh, type thing. Uh, tri- using the bottom of the pool, you know, the things I mentioned, basically, mm-hmm. I do try to incorporate safety skills in there uh, as much as I can without taking it, you know, taking away from the swim lessons themselves. You know, and I think you and I come on the same page as this, that mm-hmm. the safety component of the ISR program is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The delivery, I don't, necessarily agree with um the mm-hmm. method you know the method how it's done like you said mm-hmm. when they're screaming and crying and dragging them underwater anyways um i've done a bit of research on this and 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, I looked at USA Swimming. I looked at um, American Red Cross. I looked at, you know, American psychologists. Um, and, mm-hmm. and the general recommendation is provide a safe and caring, loving environment for children mm-hmm. and infants in when you're teaching them swimming. And if yeah, you're, exactly. yeah, and if you're providing a traumatic experience, it's actually more detrimental in teaching mm-hmm. them lifelong swimming safety than any temporary mm-hmm. benefit you get for traumatically teaching someone how to roll over on their back after they fall in the water. Like we can still, yeah, we can accomplish the same goal and you do it. I mean, you play games, you do activities, you incrementally progressively teach, you know, skills, you know, I'm not saying slowly, but with purpose and not, and, and fun and trust and safety not dragging them in while they're screaming and crying and then walking mm-hmm. backwards while they struggle to breathe. You know, there's a difference mm-hmm. in the method and yet our goal is the same. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think you and I are the same on this page and I'm, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I don't talk about it that often because I don't want to you know, offend all the ISR people, but mm-hmm. my understanding of it and what I've seen of it, I'm not, a, I don't like the method. I like the goal. Yeah but not how it's Mm -hmm. done. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I mean, if you want to add to that, I kind of just put my own take on what you said, but um, feel free Mm -hmm. here. No, you, you covered it. Um, I, the, I guess the, there is one thing that I, I, I wouldn't say it's similar to what they do, but I, I believe that in order for you to know what, prevents a child from going in the water, for example, putting their head under water. I like to know whether, A, they have such a strong fear that making them do it again is going to cause more damage than, you know, than trying to do it, you know, not doing it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the other thing I look for is if the child uh, doesn't like it, basically because he, you know, he's just not familiar with it and just doesn't like it. Uh, The other thing I look for, too, is whether the child just doesn't do it because he's, pardon me, but stubborn, (laughs) you know, (laughs) things like that. So I do let the parents know that I uh, that I am going to put the child underwater, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the first lesson, but once I get to know them that I am going to put them underwater, you know, to, to see which one of those levels it is, mm-hmm. you know, if it's fear, then like I said, I'm not going to, you know, try it again until I think, you know, there's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the other two, then I, you know, I, if it's stubbornness, then we just, you know, we just practice it every day and, you know, that kind of thing. If it's, you know, they just don't like it, then, you know, then practicing it like every other day or towards the, you know, second less, uh, second week of the session, you know, that kind of things. Because you'd be, uh, you you probably aren't surprised, but I, I was surprised of how many parents like wouldn't, if the child cried going under, they're like, okay, never do, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, uh, you know, he doesn't yeah. like it, so don't try again or, you know, just things like that. And so mm-hmm. 
I make it clear before they, you know, take a lesson, you know, that's one of the things we do with the phone interview, you know, mm -hmm. our phone call is mm -hmm. letting them know that I will, you know, do that and so forth. But well, you know, okay, you touched on something here that I, I want to get in before we finish. We're, we're mm -hmm. a little bit over time, but this is it's worth it in my opinion here. And I, I okay. apologize for imposing on you for another five minutes. But you, oh, you said okay. that you have a, a conversation on the phone with your client before you, they sign up for their slot. The yeah. last the last interview or the last conversation I had was um, – with uh, Megan Jolbert from The Mind Side. She's a sports psychologist, and she talks mm -hmm. about how one of the best things you can do as a swim coach, as a swim instructor, is have involve the parents early and often and have that conversation with them and literally mm -hmm. tell them what your plan is, what you're going to do, and... Um, you know, what your process is, because if you don't, mm -hmm. they're going to kind of fill that void with whatever they think it is. And then they're going to, like mm -hmm. you said, don't put them underwater when they cry. And you're like, well, yeah, crying because like, oh, he doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Like he's crying because he doesn't want to be here today because he'd rather be playing basketball or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's not because he's afraid yeah. or, you know, he's not terrified. Um, yeah. And, and that speaks to your maturity as an instructor, knowing how to discern those different, you know, those different, uh, types of tears or reluctance or, or hesitation, you know, um, and mm -hmm. reading and responding to those. But what, talk about your conversations with your clients before they start. What is that like? Um, well, most of the time when, uh, you know, if, it, if somebody tells them about my lessons or if they're responding to the posts that I put on Facebook, They'll always ask for information, you know, about their, their, uh, the two important items that they sort of want to know about is the schedule, um, you know, what spots are open and, uh, the, you know, information about the lessons themselves. So, mm -hmm. uh, and the prices, of course, mm -hmm. but uh, I can do, you know, I can explain the, a few of those I can explain in the email that I send them. Um, you know, uh, I created a information packet three years ago. I sort of got tired of copying and pasting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I said to one parent and to another email from another parent. <laughs> so I did create, you know, an information packet that I can send to them. And in the information packet, I go over not only the schedule that's available and things like that. But one of the things that I include in the information packet and I discuss, even though it's in the information packet, is the fact that every child is different. You know, uh, each child has their own pace as far as learning uh, and fears and, you know, things like that. I don't want a parent to automatically assume that they, you know, they're signing up for swim lessons that it's a guarantee that the child is going to know how to swim, you know, mm. by the time he gets through. When is my uh, kid going to be ready? Reason? Yeah. When are they going to be able to swim? Yeah, You're exactly. Like, uh, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. coming so every day. One of those, yes. One of those, um, one way to prevent that from happening is to talk to them or give them an update. You know, they, they might see what we did, but, you know, I can tell them, you know, um, 
he was leery about, you know, doing this, which is why we did this activity or, um, you know, or something like that. I also let him know um, that, uh, that we will accomplish what the child uh, is ready for, you know, if it takes us, you know, I do have young, young kids uh, between one and three and sometimes four and five that literally like we are doing a, a lesson uh, introducing them to the water, not necessarily swimming. Um, I tell them, you know, an introduction to the water, sort of like the way I've explained it in my interview. I tell them, you know, we've got to be able, he has to be comfortable and not having a floor underneath him for him to be able to swim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, he's mm -hmm. got to be, he's got to have the ability to rotate his arms in order to swim. Mm -hmm. uh, he has to be able to kick or he's going to sink. So the reason we play the game for the kicking, I mean, that has to happen before we can put an actual swim skill, you know, together. Uh, mm -hmm. The younger they are, the less they can, um, you know, they really aren't prepared to be able to rotate their arms um, or kick at the same time or, you know, things like that. So I like to, I like to update the parent as, you know, maybe not each class, but, you know, what we learned today and what we're going to work on tomorrow. And, you know, um, uh, another thing that I make sure, you know, that they're aware of is I have a paragraph in my information packet that talks about um, there is a paragraph from, uh, let's see, there is a paragraph from, um, I can't remember what it is, but it's a government uh, organization that talks about, you know, that kids under the age of three really doesn't have, you know, uh, the coordination or the skills or the physical ability to learn how to swim. That, True. you know, an introduction to water is what, you know, before they can learn how to swim, an introduction to the water itself is you know, what they're going to learn that session, for example, so that yep. parents, once again, aren't expecting, you know, their three-year-old to leave knowing how to swim and do everything that we've asked them to do. Um, you know, that's, I like being able to move at our own speed or the child's speed for that exact purpose. So it doesn't matter what they sign up for. I don't use titles, for example. Mm -hmm. I just use their their skill or you know, I sort of know whether I'm doing an introduction to water or whether I'm doing a level one and, you know, and what we need to do during that time. But parents like that. I mean, parents oh, yeah. like the idea that I've explained, you know, whether it's in the information packet or whether it's me verbally, you know, explaining to them and keeping them in the loop. And I've even asked parents, oh, tomorrow we're going to work on, you know, this, uh, uh, do you think we should, you know, should I start with, you know, a game or do you think, you know, they're ready? In other words, their attitude and their, um, you know, their, because the parent knows the kids better than I do. Oh, <laughs> I know? say that all so the time. Getting, yeah. Yeah. So getting their input on things, you know, um, if some, if a child doesn't want to do something, for example, I do my best to uh, encourage and I, uh, sometimes bribe, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes that's just not enough. And so uh, I always explain to the parent that if you see that I'm not getting anywhere, for example, then feel free to talk to the child on your own as far as, okay, you can do this. I know, you know, I know you're scared, but something like that, because kids listen to their parents. They trust them. Mm -hmm. Um, If they sometimes they have their own bribe, you know, if you do what Miss T says, if you put your head underwater tomorrow, we'll go get ice cream after the lesson, you Mm -hmm. know, just Mm -hmm. things like that. Sometimes it takes both of us bribing, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but something usually works, so. Great. And and you can always benefit from involving the parents. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. big messages here is that you, at almost every step, are providing the parents, your, you know, your ultimate clients are the parents. Um, mm-hmm. They're the ones who are, you know, purchasing the lessons, getting them there, driving them there, signing up. But yeah. you're, yeah, and you're, you're telling them in advance what you're going to do. You're following up with them at regular interviews, telling them how things are going, and you're tailoring it specifically to the individuals. And I think that mm-hmm. plays a big part into your word of mouth. You know, 75% of your lessons are filled just by the, the positive, you know, word of mouth that your clients tell other people like, Oh my gosh, Teresa is Mm -hmm. amazing. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great uh, lesson. I think that we can end here with is, Mm -hmm. uh, how, you know, you prepare and you give out information to your parents in advance and then you follow up with them. I think that's a fantastic, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the thing that anyone in any swimming can do. And like I said earlier, you know, Megan Bear from episode number 57 talks about the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and here we have mm-hmm. it with Teresa in actual practice and how it's, you know, making her lessons full <laughs> for the whole summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want to thank you for your time uh, today. So thank you very much, Teresa. I appreciate you being here. Um, mm-hmm. before we end, can you just share with us how we can get in contact with you? Uh, if, if we want, you've, you said you are open to receiving emails. Yes. Yes. Um, my, um, I'm always available through my email for the school, which is safe splashes swim at gmail.com. Uh, that's, if people are interested, if people hear this and are interested in uh, whether they, you know, have questions more about my, you know, my personal lesson plan type things, or if they are interested in uh, any of my classes, they can reach me at that email address. And I'm usually responding within 24 hours. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. That's uh, safesplashesswim at gmail.com. Thank you, Teresa Stewart, for being on our podcast today. Uh, Thank you very much. You're welcome. There you have it, our conversation with... Teresa Stewart in Arizona from the Safe Splashes Swim School. Uh, we can, we had a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to her. Uh, and I want to know what you think. Connect with me on Twitter at Swimming Ideas uh, or on Facebook, Swimming Ideas. Or you can send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. That's J-E-F-F at swimmingideas.com. Now, 
I want to know your story. Uh, we just heard Teresa's story, and she has a great experience uh, with swim lessons, and she's been teaching her lessons out of her own pool for the last 11 years. I think that's one of the most exciting things about swimming and teaching swim lessons, that if you have a facility, if you have a pool, you can go about teaching your lessons on your own. And in part, that's what our lesson program is aiming to do. Now, we provide at Swimming Ideas lesson plans, uh, online tools that you can use to keep track of your lessons. There's the online lesson management. Uh, we'll even give, we even have developmental swim practices that you can use. Uh, check out our website, uh, click on the store button, swimminglessonsideas.com, and click on the store button, uh, and you can see those options there. Now, I want to hear from you. Everyone has their own story. You just heard Teresa's. What's your story? Let's get your information, how you uniquely focus on your challenges that are specific to your pool and your facility. What challenges do you face every day and how do you overcome them? Let's have a conversation. Uh, reach out to me, jeff at swimmingideas.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, send me that email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Thank you for your time. And tomorrow we can teach better lessons together.